The following podcast contains opinions that all three grandmasters wish to distance themselves from. Uh, well, I felt I got cut, cut out from criticizing Geary, so I would like to, to weigh in. I think you are trying to find a point when there is no point. I mean, the only point is that he's chickening out, uh, as yeah. usual. <laughs> I got to the last 16 in the World Cup, for instance. Oh, boy. Won classical tournaments like Hastings and uh, Hastings. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dusting. Yeah, but in general, I was I was quite optimistic. But I don't know. Probably I was not fully objective because, of course, uh, above all, we are chess fans and we want uh, Magnus to play. And uh, <laughs> above all, we're chess fans. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. No. If I would have to decide for tomorrow, I, I would I would I would say okay, I want to see a match between Magnus and Alireza. Sure. That would be clearly the most uh, exciting. So, I don't know, it's very, very difficult. I, Which well, side would you so work for or just Magnus. both? Sorry? Which side would you work for, just both? or? Of course, both. Hello, everybody. I'm Grandmaster Jan Gustafsson. Welcome to the second episode of the Chicken Chess Club podcast. When once again, joined by my dear friends, Grandmasters Peter Hein Nielsen and Laurent Fressinet, to talk about the very, very exciting world of chess. Laurent, how are you today? I'm good as usual, just to, to annoy you. I know that you don't like my, my optimism and my uh, way of uh, living my life. Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I was uh, mocked uh, this week for my French accent for the last episode, but I'm used to it, so, so I'm very much fine. I'm very sorry to hear that. Peter, how are things on your end? Where are you? A bit up and down. January has been a, a great week. Uh, I was with my, my oldest son at seven in a trip to Denmark to visit his uh, grandmother. We went to the zoo and especially Legoland was a big hit uh, and such. But uh, and now we've all fallen ill. So that's a bit, uh, a bit tough in that sense and such. So, well, that's the private front. And of course, Magnus is playing a tournament. But uh, so there's a bit of work too. But we will get back to that later. So but ups and downs, I would say. And you, you too, Jan, yeah? You are, you are a bit uh, sick, right? I'm quite sick, yeah. I've, I'm not sure what's called gastrointestinal, <laughs> which is something my kids brought back from kindergarten. Uh -huh. So the whole family, we haven't eaten solid food for like a week. I'm just drinking water. Now I start coffee and white bread, or as I like to call it, the regular Laurent diet. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> <clears throat> so you are enjoying your, your white bread, huh? <laughs> I'm enjoying it greatly. All right, what's happening in the chess world? I've been doing German commentary on the Champions Chess Tour, this event they're having in Oslo, where eight players are in the studio in Oslo. They're all in the same place, but they're playing on electronic boards on the internet against each other. Magnus is there. Anish is there. Pragnananda is so far crushing the tournament. What are your first impressions? Yeah, yeah. first of all, I like the format of the tournament. I mean, like, people are playing at the same place. I think it, fe it feels just uh, much better than in this... Uh, this is a major tournament, and uh, in this regular tournament, it feels a bit weird because people are at home, and uh, there, there are many of them. Um, but of course, it's uh, it's very interesting. Of course, some people, uh, some top players are are missing. Uh, but yeah, it's very the biggest surprise is of course the, the, the great start of uh, Pagananda, which I I don't know so much. I don't know if Peter uh, uh, knows him uh, better or studied his games. But uh, yeah, I'm very, very surprised that he's starting so well. How do you feel about? The players being in the same room but not playing on real boards but online doesn't make a difference for you. I've seen some complaints. I kind of like the aesthetics and this e-sporty vibe they're trying to set up. But I hear a lot of purists saying, they're there, why don't they play on a real board, Peter? Well, they're trying to make it e-sports-like, which I like for the visuals. But also, I like it because... Um, when you play rapid and blitz in in real life there is always debates about 
uh, sportsmanship and sort of did you put the pieces right? Did you put the clock correctly and such? All this is taken completely care of in this kind of uh, computerized version and such. And this always ends up in, in, in debates. And unfortunately, I think the, the correct strategy is to, when you play over the board, is to play almost a bit dirty because it doesn't really get punished. While when you do it online on the computer, there's simply not, no problems like that. So I think there is some advantage with that. But also, I think it's a cool look. I think it's, it's fair enough to, to try it and such. I don't think it'll really replace all the board chess, but um, no, I like it, I have to say. Well, isn't there some fair play debate about jumping ahead a bit here? Magnus, I assume, probably you know better, had a mouse slip in one of his games against Le Quang. That just comes with the territory, right? There's nothing strange about it. You just you just move on. I I'm embarrassed to say I have not heard about that incident. Uh, okay, I'm he played, he played, for he played queen. We yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it was a draw. I mean, like he should play queen d4. He wanted to play queen d4, and then there is a perpetual. Uh, in a few moves, I mean, it's like it's draw immediately. It's perpetual in. Uh, yeah, yeah, that I understood. And, I assumed he just had a Muslim and lost. Or? Yeah, he just played queen for check and queen, queen takes queen. So he didn't uh, he probably didn't want that immediately. Uh, so it was it was a clear mostly because queen d4 was the right move and the only move to make a draw, which was very simple. Uh, and uh, he just played queen for check, which uh, loses the queen uh, on the pot. So that, that's the point. But I agree with you, uh, Peter, on. Uh, Uh, from aesthetic point of view, I think it's great. I mean, it looks really cool. I mean, like uh, uh, it looks like a great uh, event and e-sport. And uh, well, it's a nice thing to 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 try. Of course, there is not uh, the dirty part of it uh, when you are playing over the, uh, over the board. But uh, yeah, there is a problem of this of this mostly. But overall, I think it's a good it's a good tie. Let's say. All right, let's go through the action a bit at the time of recording. Three rounds have been played and we're awaiting the big match between Pragnananda and Magnus. So Magnus won a match against Duda. And there, Peter, my first question. He started one game with the move 1-F3. Were you, was this your idea? Were you forced to prepare the move 1-F3? Or do you have the right to say, okay, if you want to do this, I'm out. Just uh, knock yourself out. I'm probably not at liberty to tell you, but, uh, well, I can say that recently I have been looking at uh, F3, and, uh, well, for instance, the computer doesn't say it's the worst move in the starting position. There's actually second one that's worse, worse right? G4 yeah. is worse, F3 yeah. is second worse, I also checked. H, H4 but is third. The problem with F3 is that, well, G4, at least it has a plan, right? Well, you know where you put the pieces, it's the group, it's crap, but there is some setup. While with F3, it's a bad move, and... I'm sure it makes White's positions worse, right? But also, there's absolutely no reasonable setup afterwards, as far as I understand, right? I mean, you saw that after e5, well, you have to play a move like knight c3 or something like that, right? That's what he did. It's, uh, I mean, no, it's pretty terrible. But having said that, I don't think the position is lost. It's probably still a draw, right? So if you look at it from a logical point of view, all white moves are equal because they all lead to a draw unless e4 wins. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, but why? So why w what's the point of starting with f3? Okay, now you're asking difficult questions. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, I think, you know, as he said, he's never played it before in a serious game. Yeah. I mean... It was your idea. Yeah? Well, I cannot tell you such. Uh, <laughs> We all know it wasn't your idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, but, um, but we, we like to pretend it was your idea. <laughs> but it's interesting to have a. I mean, to, to well, now we have a conversation, but also, I mean, you can just play chess for a completely practical point of view and just try to win games. But sometimes it also makes sense to sort of care a bit about uh, unusual uh, twist chess uh, problems. You see, for instance, this. Uh, Computer tournaments, they all start in some weird positions in order to get an interesting game. And, well, as you saw, it actually became a very interesting game very quickly and such. But, of course, um, well, F3 is pushing it a bit far. So do you think for Magnus' overall chess development, it's better to play 1F3 or to play poker tournaments? 
I think both are excellent. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you if you only give me one choice, it would probably be F three. <laughs> but uh, it, it's training different things. I think poker tournaments threaten uh, sort of nerves, while the other one is uh, well, you're forcing yourself to look at chess in a bit of a different uh, perspective. No, so. but I, I really, when uh, actually when preparing for the for the show, I, I didn't realize that it was such a great topic because we can just pretend it was Peter's idea. And actually, you cannot deny. I mean, like, uh, well, just sitting. You also can't say <laughs> a bad thing about F three. I mean, this is very. Well, also, I, I, I'm puzzled. No one has suggested it was a mouse slip that they seem to be on purpose. But um. <laughs> okay, so Magnus won, yeah. won against uh, Duda. Then he lost to uh, Liam. There, we also need the inside track. He seems sick. He looks very, very yeah. tired on camera. I think he's coughing in interviews. Peter, what's going on? I mean, uh, well, with Magnus, I talk chess. I mean, with you guys, we talk about how we feel and the illnesses and such to fill time. I Again, I didn't know he mouse slipped. I had no clue, clue he was ill. So apparently it's a very business-like relationship we seem to have. But uh, I, I had no clue. No, but uh, also he played this. Uh, on, the, on the day he lost to, to Liam, um, he, he, he played a charity match. Uh, Norway played a charity yeah, match yeah. against Ukraine. So he played four rapid games to start. So if he was, he looks, he, he looked uh, quite ill. So he was, if he was ill, I mean, like he played eight games the same day. So this is... Uh, uh, tough, tough schedule. So that explains. He likes playing chess. He also played the Benoni, I believe, twice now. Once when the match was tied, one and a half, one and a half against Lim. He played d4, e6, c4, c5, d5, pawn takes, pawn takes, g6. And then he did it against Anish when he was leading as well. Is this. To me, it looked a bit like he was tired and trying to keep the matches short by. Ideally, winning without a tiebreak. Um, is this a strategy connected to that, or is it just expanding his horizons, trying to play sharp chess, putting pressure? I think I remember once that I was standing with Vichy and Magnus, and uh, Vichy was asking me something, and Magnus looked at him and said, Vichy, you are trying to find sense where there is none. It's a bit of the same here, I think. I mean, well, why not? I mean, you're debating if it's a good strategy or not. But I think, okay. Well, he thought, why not play the Benoni or something like that? I mean, uh, it's uh, well, he's um, he's experimenting these days and quite successfully, I would say, and such. But uh, I wouldn't think that there is some kind of deep thought behind it, to be honest. But again, my, maybe I just don't. I wasn't told. It could be. Fair enough. I guess we'll we'll let you off the hook on Magnus inside information. So he lost that match to Lim, then he won the match against Giri. Laurent, this is your area of expertise, the first game against Giri. It ended in a quick draw. What, what are your yeah. feelings about it? Yeah, no, Peter mentioned that, he, that uh, Anish could go for a sharp, interesting position uh, and um, probably getting a better position, but at least just uh, very, very interesting. But instead, it's what it was always my point that uh, Anish is a very interesting player to to watch in the opening phase. But then, when he brings the tough guys, I mean, when there is a, a safe option and a complicated one, he always chose the, the safest. So he just uh, repeated the moves, and then he was uh, punished in some English. We didn't look, I mean, like it didn't look like much for for White. Uh, but Magnus, uh, typical Magnus, yeah, he just outplayed him, and, and this has been only you mentioned. So it was uh, basically w this match was one-way traffic. I think no, no two and a half half is uh, just uh, it was an easy match for for Magnus. Yeah, we we thought about calling this podcast two and a half grandmasters, <laughs> and in the end yeah. we decided against it. But speaking of two and a half grandmasters, the real two and a half grandmaster has been Pragnananda, who. I'm not calling him half a grandmaster. I'm saying this because he's won all his matches so far. Two and a half, half. Is he just... Has he reached a new stage and is now just crushing everybody? What's going on there? Uh, well, I felt I got cut, cut out from criticizing Geary, so I would like to, to weigh in. Apologies. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, no. Um, I agree with what Loang said, also because basically he copied what I said in the chat. But I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I did quote you. Come on, 
Yeah, that's true. But, well, my point is that Geary is better, but he has to choose between a symmetrical position or an unbalanced one. And then in terms of winning chances, I think the unbalanced one is, is just better. I can get his point, maybe, that if he thinks he's the clearly worst player, then trying to make the match much short, shorter in terms of drawing as much as possible has some sense. I mean, you have seen it in knockouts. If you're white against a stronger opponent, maybe you force a quick draw and then you gamble everything on one game. But uh, that puzzled me a bit. Yeah, but uh, I think you are trying to find a point when there is no point. I mean, the only point is that he's chickening out, uh, as yeah. usual. And uh, against Magnus, I mean, it's very, very... I mean, like, you don't want to play chess against Magnus, yeah? yeah? Just trying to, to catch him in the opening. No, there is not much positive. You are right, uh, sort of, in that sense. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. No, this was one-way traffic. Also, you saw the last Benoni. Of course, uh, computer says White is quite better, as he is objectively in the, in, in the beginning. But uh, it became pretty horrific at some point. Uh, about Pragnananta, I mean... I don't have much opinion either. I mean, my job is to follow Magnus' opponents. And generally, well, it's only why I can say that it became relevant in that sense. I think uh, he's, uh, he's a bit of an unknown to all of us. In Wyke, he did quite okay, but nothing spe- spectacular. While here, it's a, a different story. And, yeah, it's uh, happy. So well, he's, I guess he's young. But how, how old is he, by the way? I mean, I always get 16. Confused. 16 only. Wow. Okay. It's very impressive. Yeah. Well, so Jan is sitting modestly there. You you coached him at some point, right? No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. Nihal is my boy. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, it, uh, my apologies then. Um, <laughs> where where no, Nihal at? Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's surprising. Also, well, things hasn't exactly finished yet uh, and such. But in um, at least in Wyke, you didn't get the impression that. Uh, Pragnananda was, let's say, better than the other elite players, while this you might get here. But I still think it's it's early to say, and it's uh, rapid and such. But of course, at the age of 16, it's a ridiculous result. So. Yeah, he's been very impressive. This game he won with White against Mamed Yarov. Okay, it was messy. He was even worse at some point. But the tactics, mm-hmm. the instincts, I was very, very impressed. And it really looks like he's reached a new stage. When he beat Jordan two and a half half in the first round, I thought, okay, maybe Jordan is settling in, but then he yeah. showed that he can just do this mm-hmm. to others as well. And Le Kuang had just beaten Magnus and then loses two and a half to Pragnanda. Yeah, I was yeah. Stumped. Actually, Pag had two lousy positions as Black against uh, Jordan, uh, but he's taking his chances. I mean, like, yeah. uh, well, he's definitely taking his chances. Jordan did something wrong and, uh, well, immediately he was, he was punished. So that's what you, you have to do in Rapid. But that's also what we basically debated in the last podcast, that, I mean, well, having bad positions by being able to making a lot of points. I mean, that's true talent and grit. I mean, well, openings and such he can learn later, but uh, that he actually can manage to fight back very successfully is something that's very noteworthy. Also. Yeah, I would argue that he is already pretty good in openings as well. But yeah, point <laughs> very much taken. I'm not sure what the power rankings are now. Gukesh entered... The top hundred, Erigaishi seems to be Erigaishi, I think it's pronounced. Seems to be crushing whenever he plays. Now Pragnananda looks very, very strong as well. Nihal, I'm still a huge fan. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of potential there. It's looking very, very promising for the Indian youngsters. But. It looks incredibly promising, but let's say just uh, the next Olympiad, they play at home ground. Do we actually think they have a shot of winning it? Why not? Oh, it's a bit early. I would guess it's a little early, but who knows? Is Vichy playing? Vichy know. coaching, maybe. I, I saw some pictures that uh, Vichy was coaching the, the youngster. I don't know to which extent, but that could, of course, uh, help yeah. uh, a lot. It would be normal he plays, but maybe it's not decided yet, uh, something like that. I don't think they're on a favorites level like the U.S. that, of course, have an incredible team, but they're certainly capable to beat everybody. France, of course, yeah. France, of course. Come on. Yeah. All right. We at the time of recording, the match between Magnus and Pragnanda has not finished yet, but I'll I'll certainly be watching it. Which brings us back to. Magnus 
Peter, what's happening? What's the latest in? Will he play the next World Championship match? Will he not play? Does it depend on opponent? Any news there? Yeah, he gave a interview to the Norwegian newspaper Aftenposten quite recently, and uh, well, it made a lot of headlines, despite for the fact that there was basically no news in it. I mean, um, he is uh, quite quite much repeating his position that uh, well, he's saying. If I had to make up my mind tomorrow, then there would be a clear, clear, clear answer. I wouldn't be playing the the world championship, but then, well, the usual that that could change and something like that and, and stuff like this, and he would make up his mind after the candidates uh, and such. But um, no, I would say if anything, a sort of non-new story by Magnus still makes a lot of attention because it's an interesting or important topic, and you also see a lot of. Uh, people being uh, very critical. I mean, there's many who doesn't believe him. There is, for instance, uh, I think Ogor thinks that Fides should force him to make up his mind before the candidates because players will be on uncertain and unequal conditions and such. So it um, it very much stirs up a lot of emotion. But, what is your um, reaction on that? Do you think it's fair? What? I mean, like, okay, it's clear that Magnus is following the rules and, uh, well, you have to sign the yeah. contract when it's there, when the, the opponent is known, but... Uh, Makes some sense Normal, what Ogard mm, said. Normally, the, the part where I get to criticize Fide comes later, so we can all talk yeah, about Yeah, but you uh, can do that. You are doing that all week on, on Twitter, yeah. so you can, you can but, do it. So I mean, show. to be fair to Fide, it's difficult to make rules that forces someone to play if he doesn't want to. I don't think they can do that, right? So it's yeah, basically a unique situation. It happened very rarely in the, in the history of chess that a world champion doesn't seem to want to defend his title. Um, what was it? It was Fischer, yeah, basically. That's it, yeah? Well, Fischer left and uh, maybe Lasker just sat on it and such. There were, have been situations. But also, I think normally there was a very strong financial incentive for the world champions to, to play, as far as I understand. Also, in the old days, it was different because the world champion had to find his challenger and yeah. the funding so they could choose more or less whom mm -hmm. to play and yeah it wasn't like there was a governing body but yeah no sorry go ahead no this is this is very very unusual and such so i think to blame Fido on that one is a bit uh, too much you can say that they should react now but as you say magnus is following the rules and he has to well of course you have the the right to resign your title whenever you feel like it and it's uh, it's not like um, it's you know you have to do it on mondays or whatever i mean it's i mean well you can't of course, people should have that right to do it for, 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 for numerous reasons. But, but uh, uh, you, yeah, you, it's a strange situation. Today, you don't want to answer the questions, actually. Oh, sorry. What <laughs> like, is your question? Uh, my question is that uh, does, does FIDE should, uh, sh should FIDE change the regulations and make the, the world champion sign uh, before the candidates happen or not? I don't think so. I think the situation is so unique that that's just life. Um, and Magnus has the right to defend his title and uh, that normally you have to decide on after the candidates. And just because uh, it seems like he's not going to do it, I don't think you should uh, tra change rules and traditions. I agree with Orgo that it's not ideal, and uh, but that's how it is. And I don't think that it's a bigger problem that that chess will, will survive, so will the title. And... Um, it's not like no no candidate is losing anything in the sense that if they win, they will still um, qualify. They might not get this extra bonus in case Magnus chooses not to play. But uh, I think everybody get what they are entitled to, and some might get more should Magnus not choose to play. So I think for the players and the candidates, it's a positive problem. Well, uh, I don't know for Aliesa, for instance. I mean, like it's clear that Magnus pointed out uh, Aliesa. So yeah. you 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 may claim that Aliesa has much less uh, chances than the others to to become world champion. He could finish second. No, then if let's say Duda finishes first and he has a choice, if he wins, he plays Magnus, or if he yeah. loses the last round, he plays Duda. Okay, it's then, it's an unlikely scenario. On a serious note, I'm not sure how you guys felt about it. To me, this recent Magnus interview, it looked like he left the door a little more open, saying that, yeah, it wasn't decided yet. It sounded a little less firm that he's not intending to play than previous stance, but maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Laurent, did you, did you also think so? Yeah, but in general, I was, I was quite optimistic. But I don't know, probably I was not fully objective because, of course... Uh, Above all, we are chess fans and we want uh, Magnus to play. And uh, <laughs> Above all, we're chess fans. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah? No? 
No, I mean, uh, I, no I, self-interest I, I, in I mean, I just watch just three matches. I'd say, if I would have to decide for tomorrow, I, I would, I would, I would say, okay, I want to see a match between Magnus and Aliaza. Sure. That would be clearly the most uh, exciting. So I don't know. It's very, very difficult. I, Which well, side would you so work for, or Magnus. just both? Sorry. Which side would you work for? Just both, or of course both. I mean, <laughs> okay. and I would tell the other. Okay. I mean, like, <laughs> of course. Finally, my dream, my dream will come mm-hmm. too. So um, yeah, and we are so close to Magnus that uh, it's d- very difficult to be to be objective. Uh, but I really wish uh, he's going to play, and of course there is no no guarantee. I don't know wh- what he will. Let's say if it's Kawana or Ding. I think it's still a very interesting match. Will he get some motivation? I have no clue. I mean, like, it's very, very difficult to uh, to say. But, yeah, I, I I wish he will play. That's it. But Fair enough. So we'll we'll keep you posted once Peter shares with us <laughs> the details of all his no, intimate I, conversations yeah, no, with Magnus about that the topic. P- P- Peter gave some percentage in our video series we did in, uh, in Paris, actually. So which percentage did you give? It was very low, I think, like 20%. I think it went up like since then, no? No, I still think it's uh, quite low. It might be double digits, but it's not uh, 50%. I mean, it's 20 or 30 or something like this. But uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to judge. And, um, well, I understand as a chess fan you would like it. But also, well, we also want Magnus to, to stay in the chess world. And he's doing that with tournaments and such. For me... I, I'm actually not that emotionally attached to it. Well, I have to answer a lot of questions because people don't seem to, well, believe him or something like that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he, I think that uh, should really completely be up to him how he will do that. And, uh, well, for me, I'm just going to help him with whatever tournaments he asks me to. If it's going to be, you know, F3 for, for online or a World Championship match, it doesn't make much difference. Ah, so he asked for help with F3. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't say that. All right. A- and you also said, Peter, that it was your idea. But okay, that's, that's, that's fine. Let's move on to a topic that I'm not very emotionally attached to. The American Cup is running. Who's the expert on that tournament? Laurent, are you following that one closely? No, but uh, I'm checking the games and I'm checking carefully what uh, Kawana is uh, up to. What tournament is this? I literally don't know much about it. It's uh, they are playing uh, classical. You have to to lose. Uh, it's double em- elimination, so you have to you have to lose twice to be uh, to be out. Of course, uh, yeah. Then some people I saw they were not playing at the same time, so it's a bit confusing. I just saw that yesterday uh, Kawana won a very nice game against. Uh, Dominguez and uh, well I'm very interested about Kawana because he will be one of the favorites in the tournament of the year at least for me in this candidate I'm very excited about candidates so I'm just checking the, the players there uh, and see uh, in which shape they are and uh, Kawana showed some uh, ideas I mean he's playing quite uh, quite good chess as But usual with many new ideas so it's interesting to follow Wasn't he very close to being knocked out in one? Uh, yeah, yeah, he played some uh, very close tiebreaks. Uh, I thought he was completely lost in one game that he won in the end, uh, as far as I remember. I don't know if it would have... Well, also, it wouldn't lead to Im- elimination but because of this double elimination yeah. uh, system. But probably it was but some blitz. I think or some this system rapid. has been used uh, quite often in backgammon because, well, they like to have knockouts, but also they understand there is some random element or more risk, so they want to make it double. So... I think, uh, well, this is St. Louis, sponsored by Rex Sinkfield. And, uh, I mean, he likes to have this new format. Remember that he had this uh, clutch chess yeah. with Caruana against Magnus, where they played a match, but uh, some some games were suddenly for more points than others and such. So, I mean, that's probably the nice thing with being a billionaire. If you have some ideas, you want you wonder how they work out, you just do it because you can you can do it like that. So, uh, it's a bit of a strange system, this double knockout, but um, no, I have some sympathy for it in many ways. Any other players you've been following in the in the tournament, Laurent? No, I saw some. No, I mean, I, I was uh, looking at the games. Just simply, uh, I saw. Okay. What, what do you mean? Like? No, just I guess, think he's referring guess, to, to, to to whom? Okay. No. Please. Well, also Sam Shankland. Yeah. Uh, quite surprisingly, went went out uh, quickly, and he he made some tweets. Yeah, that was a, a bit interesting. Maybe we can debate that. That uh, he said that. Well, he's been working incredibly hard on his rapid skills, but it seems like, 
hard work, more pays off in classical, while it's more difficult to improve your rapid skills. And it was I about talent, you, maybe. You it's what he said. It's what he wrote, actually. Uh-huh. That, uh, uh, maybe it's a lack of uh, talent. He wrote something like that. I'm not sure I'm quoting him mm-hmm. exactly right, but uh, yeah. Maybe he's right, I think. I think blitz skills, it's a lot about nat- natural talent. I don't know. This talent debate is always a very, very weird one. I think Kasparov, for example, talent is the said talent is the capacity to work hard. And for Sam, I think he started quite late with serious chess, at least, or improving. And maybe, maybe that plays into it that if you play a lot of blitz or rapid as a kid, these reflexes. Um, get developed in a more whatever Mm -hmm. more natural way and working on openings and your tactics and so on translates more to classical i can't i can't really judge but i wouldn't make it about a this talent versus hard worker debate in chess i find very strange usually because everyone puts in the hours and then the brain puts in stuff differently but someone who played 10 hours of blitz as a Kid, is he more talented because he put in all these hours as a kid than someone who starts working a lot later in life? I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I, actually, you disagree. I mean, we, we have the tweet of uh, of some guests on talents. Are just I haven't made. seen the tweet. I'm just making random yeah. talent statements. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't. I don't have strong opinion uh, on that. No, I, I get the point of Sam. That uh, I mean. I think you can train yourself to certain things as being a disciplined calculator and learn some techniques and such. Learning how to play blitz and rapid is different. I don't know if you can train it in a particular way. Maybe just by doing it a lot. And uh, Well, there's also this school of thought that it's not very good to play blitz and rapid for your development and such. And I think it comes for those who focus on uh, on classical. Um, I used to think so. I've basically changed my, my mind based on sort of, let's call it... Uh, empirical evidence that uh, well Magnus Hikaru but also a lot of other strong players has been playing a bunch of blitz uh, games when they were younger and uh, it seems to work at least for also them. this new generation I, I'm sure every case is different but coming up I do think a lot of the guys just got very very strong by playing lots of online blitz and they also became incredibly strong classical players I don't know. I do think that every case but, is very, very unique. But though. we all played a lot of bits games when we were young. I mean, like, we, we, you, you forgot about those days on ICC, uh, Jan. No, uh, I didn't forget. But I'm also, I'm not a world-class player. But it's time we spent putting in on chess yeah. becoming decent grandmasters, no? I was a great blitz player in the late 1970s. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, I spent a lot of time on, uh, <laughs> on ICC playing with you, probably. Yeah. Those were the days you were p- sitting in some European online champion. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. yeah. Beating Gelfand Adams in matches, not too bad. Um, oh. But, um, yeah, I'm a bit too old for having played uh, Blitz when I was online when I was very young, unfortunately. And I think that uh, well, that hampers your development in a bit. It's, um, well, it's a bit like Alpha Zero. You have to see a lot of chess positions and you have to learn from them. And then you get a get better intuition. And I think having... A bunch of games uh, simply helps in that way. But it helped your social skills. While Laurent and I were sitting there in our <laughs> internet cafes, you were out partying with your Danish student buddies. So it's it's not all black and white. No, but uh, Peter has no, a no, great no, online record. He also qualified for the for the World Cup. In the good old days he, when Fide he, made his... It's actually the World Championships uh, back then. Ah, sorry. So, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Where, where you played against Vichy and you started working with him, no? I was very lucky to lose against Vichy, so that uh, I played a strong novelty and uh, then I had to think on my own and lost immediately. And he thought, well, that sounds like good skills for a second. So that's uh, we, when that career started. Yeah. We should maybe mention just for listeners that aren't as familiar with your careers as we are, that Peter used to be um, by far the best Scandinavian player, was a very, very active, very, very strong player, reached 2,700, um, but stood out as an opening theoretician already then, and then he got swept away from the market by Vichy Anand. Peter, what year was that in the early 2000s? Well, 
we started working together in 2001, right. but uh, in 2005 he asked me a couple of weeks before the World Championship uh, in, in Mexico if I wanted to, to join him as a coach there. Uh, he asked me pretty late because I think he had probably some uh, trouble with his, his former coach, uh, I don't know if it was logistics or principal and such, and I had to jump in at uh, the last moment and uh, I did that. Well, he was second, so it wasn't that great, and I thought maybe that was um, the shot I had. But he asked me back in 2007, and basically he won, and then it was uh, steady work with all his matches and that uh, for, for quite quite some years. So you worked on the Vichy matches, and then at some point you started working for Magnus, and you're in... I'm doing all your bragging here for you, I'm not sure why. Yeah, yeah. In World Championship matches, you have a 7-0 record as a coach now? Yes, correct. That's not bad, but... No, that's okay. <laughs> it could be better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There is an ongoing debate. We'll have that one another day between Laurent and Peter, who had the better active player career. And I mean, it's clear that uh, in terms of rating, uh, I was five years at 27-year-old player. I, I'm, by, I'm bragging for myself. <laughs> Why yeah, uh, yeah, Peter, uh, Peter Boggs uh, by here? I mean, like, he, he had two seven zero zero once. So, okay, in terms of, of rating, uh, so, so competition is quite clear. Uh, also, Peter never won mind games, as yeah, far as I know. That's, that's for sure. He has, uh, his main achievement are probably online. <laughs> I got to the last 16 in the World Cup, for instance. Oh, boy. Won classical tournaments like Hastings and uh, Hastings. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Dusting. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on to, uh, I Let's don't know, where, where do we go, Peter? Do you want to talk about chess politics, everything that's happening in your world of world championship matches, new world championship titles, FIDE? Give us, give us yeah, the we, overview. I mean, chess politics, we can go in two directions. Um Maybe let's keep the real politics for a bit later, but let's start with uh, the World Championship. I mean, last week there was a, a statement from Chess.com that they're going to have uh, the Chess.com World Championship. And it seems to be an online tournament with $1 million prize fund. But the last uh, four, so the semi-final and final, will be played in, uh, in, in, in Canada. And, uh, well... I think what made it a controversy was that they're actually calling it a world championship. And, uh, well, they are FIDE sponsor, but even uh, it seems that it's been approved by, by FIDE. Nigel Short uh, said so on Twitter that uh, the, the FIDE council has approved of them calling it the, the chess.com world championship. And, well, maybe it doesn't sound so controversial, but uh, I think it kind of is because world championship is something that we have kept as a well, sacred thing that uh, we cannot have a... Well, we had a split in the chess world, but actually also initiated by Nigel Short when he played the Kasparov. But, well, to suddenly give away the World Championship uh, title f uh, to someone else is uh, strange. Well, we're going to keep it in feed, but there's going to be some quite some debate about it. And, uh, well, that actually created quite uh, some debate online. And uh, well, I'll be curious to what you, you guys think. I mean, my opinions, of course, is online. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't followed it very closely. To me, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I think the legacy of the classical chess world champion is not touched by it. We will also have the rapid world champion and the blitz world champion. Then, yeah, if you name something chess.com world championship, and have your own world champion, I don't think it changes things very much, and I don't think... The chess world will see it as an alternate cycle, but just as a different event. I might be wrong about it. I'm already thinking about the Chicken Chess Club World Championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Chess 24 World Champion, Lead Chess World Champion. Uh, what's next? I mean, okay, well, I, I don't like it. I mean, I'm not, uh, not a big fan, uh, to say the least. Uh, Of this, if no, there is also juridical problems. Everybody who's competed in uh, the World Championship cycle, and I think that includes the World Cup, has signed contracts that yeah. from for the next four years you cannot compete in anything called the World Championship except for FIDE uh, in that uh, sense. But if it's so, approved by FIDE, there won't be juridical yeah. problems, no? No, probably not. But, uh, well, then again, I would say, well, 
uh, well, with any kind of world championship, there should normally be a process where people can bid to be the host or something like this. Now it just comes uh, out of nowhere. And, uh, well, selling the right... To, I mean, we used to be very critical, for instance, that uh, FIDE made a deal with Argon that they could do the world championship. It was actually a, quite a point of the election that FIDE has to take control over the world championship. Giving some rights to chess.com... Well, it could be okay, but uh, well, we would like to know about it. But and, Fide uh, was very no, transparent, I'm, I'm, no, on the deal. Sorry, Fide was very transparent on the deal with Chess.com, no. You're mocking yeah. me now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think well, basically, we know nothing about the deal. It, it could be okay, but we basically just don't have a clue. Uh, is, is my point? Yeah, no, that's, exactly. that's your usual Fide take. No, <laughs> tell us. Yeah. Tell us the details of everything. Yeah, no, well, well, isn't it? I mean, that's how it should be, right? I mean, well, uh, they could have good intentions. It could be a good deal. But, uh, well, it would be nice to know. And also, well, field election is coming up very shortly. Generally, I think it's bad style to make uh, irreversible long-term deals just before your mandate runs out, right? I mean, it creates all kind of bad incentives and such. So, no, I'm not a huge fan of it, but uh, I'm working for a guy who's saying that he doesn't want to be the world champion anymore, so maybe I just uh, yeah, should no, it's not what, I, what exactly he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what any match, but I don't think he would, he would mind to... to no, no, maybe it's also a bit strange. I defend this fiercely then. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a good point. Can we have the Chicken Chess Club uh, world championship? I don't think we can legally. We should be afraid of uh, FIDE. Maybe we will be kicked out of FIDE. But you're in close touch with many a FIDE official. You can put in a good word for us. No? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But no, but remember, short and more notably, Kasparov was stripped of their ratings for playing in a separate uh, world championship. I mean, it had uh, consequences. Were they? I, I don't mean, even remember yeah, that. They yeah, weren't in the No, no. Uh, it, was a, it was a regular joke that there was this, uh, well, un unrated but pretty talented player called Gary Kasparov. No, no, he was stripped for his rating for a couple of lists. Oh, okay. and such because uh, it's breach of contract. I mean, when you played the World Cup, you have signed the same. Well, you don't normally just don't care. But, um, no, this they have been pretty strict of since... Um, There was this split in the the 90s. I mean, people used to play different cycles and such. So, are you okay, Long? I'm okay, sorry. Good, good. Um, but, no, this, but, well, if we have to return to real feeder politics, I will say the by far biggest story was uh, Kostenyuk the last week. She came out uh, with a very strong statement. Um, basically, well, she was... She came up uh, with a post on Instagram where she uh, was very critical about the, the Russian government. Uh, well, talking about while there is this kind of special operation that, well, she doesn't see that she has any kind of moral right to speak out because the government is taking away all kind of constitutional rights from its citizens uh, and such. And while we have seen statements before in the chess world um, by, by numerous players, it's the first time I see someone speaking that directly and that critically of the government. There might be exceptions, but we're talking Kostenyuk, who is uh, a Russian chess icon and has even appeared in, in numerous propaganda things with uh, government officials, like, yeah. well, even with Putin himself uh, earlier and such. That she comes out that strongly with a statement was quite surprising. And, um, well, it's almost to the extent where one would wonder... Would it have consequences for her short term? Um, I have a, a, a Danish slash Russian friend who lives in Denmark who said that, well, he was afraid of being um, a journalist in Denmark talking about uh, the war because it could have consequences for his uh, family in Russia and such. So, no, what she did is something that was uh, very brave and, uh, well, quite quite surprising t uh, t to me. Um, and, uh, well... Yeah, I don't know if you saw it or you've had any any thoughts on it, but this was a, a very strong statement. Yeah, I read it. Kudos to Kostenyuk. I could very much. It's impossible to relate, obviously, mm -hmm. to the situation, but see where she was coming from, saying that she she didn't agree with the banning of Russian flags, but this was really not the time for her mm -hmm. to make any any demands or claim any moral high ground and yeah I thought it was a was a strong statement everything else I don't know much about her no. situation and her connections I can't speak on 
but yeah, it was was an impressive statement to my mind. And of course, also this was the week when we saw another grandmaster being sanctioned. We have seen uh, Karpov being sanctioned because he was a member of the the, the Russian Duma. That was expected, but uh, a French grandmaster popped up on the U.S. Uh, sanction list. Joel uh, Lotier, if I pronounce it correctly, no, you don't uh, say that. perfect. No, Joel Lotier. Joel Lotier. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, he is a member of the, I think, the board of Softcom Bank yeah. uh, in Russia, and uh, due to that, he was uh, he was sanctioned. He, he resigned um, actually in February. So when oh, is okay. so it coming? So I, I was I was reading about that. So first of all, let's uh, uh, let's mention that uh, it's for sure. Uh, Joel is just he's a peaceful guy. So I mean, it's, it's a bit weird. It's this uh, uh, U.S. sanctions. Okay, sometimes there are. Uh, a bit uh, overdoing it in my in my opinion it's just uh, weird it's not even in Russia these days uh, we remember another grandmaster who got uh, sanctioned by uh, by uh, US uh, long time ago and he was uh, handcuffed this is a time for the complicated word uh, Luke Van Veli I remember from the airport because he was just uh, giving a, a lecture he wanted to give a lecture in US and then he was uh, handcuffed I think Luke even if we uh, I mean, we, uh, he's our friend, but I mean, it's not a dangerous guy. So they're always doing some. Um, but a bit sanctioned. No, he just said <laughs> no. when he was at immigrations that he was there to give chess coaching, and he didn't have a whatever you need a permit or a green card or something. And you need so to handcuff him. He was. I'm not sure if he was handcuffed. That might. He, be. he was. He was. He was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I think it's quite different. I'm not sure me. those are the same thing, like not letting a guy in who says I'm here to work. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it means, uh, I mean, it shows that they are overdoing it, no? I think that's... No. No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I disagree with you on that. Okay, um, I think US sanctions are just, um, well, it's just too much. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I was reading about it. I mean, for me, it just, especially resigned on, on February. Uh, some uh, another uh, um, another member uh, was not sanctioned. Uh, I mean, like it's all very very weird to me. But okay, I don't know. It's a very complicated topic because, of course, it's not really that yeah. that chess related. I've been reading and listening so much about sanctions and their chances to end war and long term effects. I don't know morally. Or it still feels to me that, yeah, everything <clears throat> should be done to sta show where one stands about the individual cases and effects. It's, it's too complex for me, frankly. But to me, it always feels like gut feeling without any smart analysis, sanctions against. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So well, for instance, we saw in the, in the tennis world recently that they have actually banned uh, Russian and Belarusian players for the upcoming win Wimbledon. And that is, uh, well, that is quite controversial in the sense that the Tennis Federation doesn't want to do that. So we have private organizers doing it. Maybe we have seen that in the chess world uh, as well. But Wimbledon, of course, is a bit uh, special there. And one of them, they are... Um, Sanctioning is, uh, or sort of, who cannot pl play is uh, one of the Russian players who actually has openly spoken out against the war and even made some no war message on, on cameras during a tournament, but they choose to sanction it anyway. And I think, well, that's also the discussion that is in the chess world and might be stronger uh, soon. That do we have to sanction all Russians or do we feel capable of handpicking them one by one based on what they have said and such? And, uh, well, that. If the war continues, which is as unfortunately signs off, then we might end up in a situation like that in chess where we have to, to make such decisions as well. Yeah, but it's, it's a very, very different topic. I mean, Lothier is not, is not Russian, he's not living in, in Russia. I mean, like when things went, uh, uh, let's say, uh, <laughs> very, very wrong, he just uh, resigned and immediately So from, the, from this bank. So, I mean... I mean, also, to be clear, I wasn't speaking about Lotier. I know nothing about that yeah. case. I was just talking. No, about I mean I'm not into details sanctions. as well. But w w from what I'm reading, it's just uh, just nonsense. But okay, I, ha I have no clue about the Lotier thing. But in general, well, it can't just be that. Well, sh I mean, sure, I resign, and then all kind of sanctions is uh, removed. It also has to. Well, 
if you have helped that company who is, uh, well, that Softcom bank is under sanction, seems reasonable at least. Uh, and if you're on the board of that, even if you're not active, you have some kind of responsibility with consequences coming from that. That doesn't strike me as unreasonable in that sense. But his specific case, I have absolutely no clue about, so I don't want to talk about uh, that. But it's difficult uh, cases. But, well, if we all want to say that people we know, they are good guys and remove them from sanctions, there will be no one left to sanction. And this is sort of the, no. the problem uh, in, in a way. Kapov, maybe. Except Kayakin, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Any other hot uh, chess politics topics on your list, Peter? Well, not a lot, uh, in a way. I mean, well, some some talk about, let's say, if Dvorkovic could end up on a sanction list. There is, uh, I forgot it was Austria, Switzerland, who wanted to have uh, also sanctions or removal of uh, Russian head of international federations. And... Uh, I think um, Raymond Keane wrote an article recent, recently where he said that it was unlikely Dvorkovic could continue and was suggesting and praising Nigel Short as a, a sort of a replacement. But uh, I think there's not much news in this department. I mean, there is ongoing rumors like that, but uh, since la last week, nothing really concrete has happened. Of course, they are speaking also of new sanctioned packages, which could in include things on, on sports in, in general in the EU and such. But yeah, uh, as far as I understand, no news. It's an interesting uh, topic, like what matters. you mentioned, that uh, you mentioned Vokovic after the Lottier case. I mean, that Vokovic is not on the sanction list and uh, Lottier is, is a bit, I mean, it's really uh, puzzling to me. Uh, well, I don't, I mean, he didn't participate in any government. I mean, like, it's clear that Vokovic is much closer to the powers than uh, All right. No, nobody is. <laughs> Peter is not <laughs> answering to that. But no, no I can just... if you want to. But uh, well, I mean, yeah. Well, it's because Softcom Bank is actually under sanctions, uh, and then they also sanction their board. And uh, well, Dvorkovic is not a part of anything under sanction. Fide is not under sanctions in that way. way. But of course, uh, he's a well. He has numerous ties, and he's being mentioned and, and, and such. But uh, well, he hasn't been in the government since uh, I forgot which year it was and such. So that that would be the argument. But no, he's also been mentioned on some list I've seen. So it 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 could be for sure. So it's uh, it's uh, well, I mean. I understand your point of view. I'm just trying to explain why why I think it is like it is at the okay. moment. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Let's move to a somewhat lighter topic, yeah. a topic that will be very close to Laurent's heart especially. It's a little new category that I like to call Tales from the Training Camps. While we were preparing for the last World Championship match in 2021, we had a few training camps. We've also been in training camps before that. And one particularly memorable camp was the camp in Palanga in Lithuania. Peter lives in Lithuania. He even has a flat in Palanga. And we had a camp there before. And we all liked it. When when was it? In 2018 was it the camp yeah. before, I think. Yeah, yeah. And we had a lovely time. Sun was shining, good food. We went for walks on the beach, like saw a lot of new things there. And <laughs> so we returned in 2021. But this time this circumstances were very different. Everyone was sick. The weather was bad. It was raining. I came slightly under the weather. I still suspect Laurent was the main culprit who came yeah. Yeah. Um, even more sickly. But anyway, we all got sick. Magnus was supposed to show up, but then bailed because everyone was sick, which was very, very understandable. <coughs> but there were like two bright spots. One is what I think Laurent would call the fake French restaurant. It's a place that Peter and I quite like. It's a place called Le Petit Paris. Greetings to Le Petit Paris in Palanga, where you could, you know, just get good food. Get a nice nice oatmeal for breakfast. Get some nice scrambled eggs. Get a burger. Get a salad. It's cheap. It was, it was nice. But Laurent was not a big fan of the place because, yeah, it's... It didn't feel very French, right? Yeah, they were claiming uh, they were claiming it was uh, 
French food, but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> French style. Okay, whatever I will say, you, you will mock me on that. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> no, not yeah, at all. Of course, I'm of course. curious as well. I'm not Speak sure, out. I'm not sure. Uh, this is the right uh, topic for me to comment. You can, guys, uh, enjoy. Uh, enjoy your conversation. <laughs> I have nothing but good intention, because then... As always. Then, to ease your discomfort with that restaurant one day, we got lucky and we found a different place called, I believe, Le Paris, which was <laughs> run. <laughs> and then we went to another place. It was called Le Grand Paris. <laughs> no, I mean, no, 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 I think Le Paris. Or yeah, I could I be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, maybe. Which was run by, by a very friendly man. And his, his name, I'm not sure if I can say his name, but we, we all remember. It was Benoit. Am I pronouncing that right? Ah, yes, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Benoit <laughs> is really not feeling this segment. <laughs> but yeah, food was great. And Laurent and Benoit also, I think, built, built a connection directly, mainly about the fake French restaurant, where <laughs> there was some talk about, is there another French restaurant in, in town? And they, they instantly yeah, agreed. Yeah, amazing. but uh, ce n'est pas français. Yeah, this is a uh, 10 seconds uh, conversation. Which made it like for for maybe no. hours or even this days. This has been I a mean, source keep... of great joy for me for yeah, a year. No, now. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned it. You keep on you keep on mentioning it. No, but for me it's so obvious that uh, me and Jan, we are well, he's German, I'm Danish, and uh, well, our culture is if we see a Dane or a German somewhere, we try to hide and not to speak. While if you're sort of uh, you see someone who is French, you just immediately friends, uh, become friends and talk about how great it is to be French and these kinds oh, of things. Oh, I didn't want to make this about <laughs> French. I just wanted to make it about Benoit, who was such a nice guy, running a great restaurant there. And Laurent and him connected about Le Bastille, I think, as well. So you think all French guy? you think I'm happy when I'm meeting any French guy in the world, right, Peter? Something like that. No, I just noticed that there is more friendliness there. While, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but somehow when you meet a Dane somewhere, you don't really try to advertise. So you know which accusation will, will come up, Jan, yeah, right? <laughs> I've, I've been around you plenty. I've seen this debate <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. It's, uh, no, 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 I think yeah. it's, it's nice. It's just uh, a very notable cultural difference and such. Um, well, I have to stand up a bit for, um, for the, the fake friends restaurant. It's very popular. It's excellent. That's yeah, I, I really think so. Yeah. But uh, I have to admit that I have cooled off it since. And uh, maybe it's some kind of uh, hidden loyalty you have towards Laurent that I don't go there anymore. No, it used to be my favorite place there. I haven't been there for years, actually. Wow. Yeah. For years, we were also, literally there in 2021, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. I mean, okay, fair enough. Um, about this thing that I agree, it was a fantastic training camp in 2018. Somehow repeating places doesn't really work, strangely enough. I don't know why, but it's... Uh, I think it was mainly was the weather and the sickness. If we have yeah, sunshine yeah. yeah, sun sun and we're good health, we would have had... A I mean, to, to be fair, time. the the training camps for this World Championship didn't work out. No, that but well, Palanga is okay. Yeah, Palanga is a nice place. I go there a lot. Uh, well, nice place. My free time, of course, another statement. But uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's good. Yeah. I think uh, we well, try to, money, to keep you happy. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, let's, let's bring this topic around. Another nice place. Hot take coming in here, Paris. We. Had a video series in Paris, more or less, recently. And I'm not sure, maybe it's because, yeah, German-French stuff or because people don't go there that often. But often there is this prejudice, I have to say, that, yeah, Paris, it's loud. There's too much stuff happening. I don't know. It's not as nice as advertised. Peter even brought up Paris syndrome earlier in our chat. But I have to say... We had a great time in Paris, and it's a fantastic city. I I liked it so much. How alive it is on every corner. There's stuff happening. Great food. It was fun to take walks. So I'm genuinely, no no irony whatsoever here, big fan of Paris, and I'd love to visit it again soon. But you had a very nice guide as well. I have to praise uh, myself, which uh, showing some good restaurants, some nice walks. 
Uh, I'm trying to be as nice as possible to Laurent, <laughs> and he has to take more credit for. Yeah, Paris is great, but yeah. uh, I'm also great. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but it's a good point that when me and Jan went out eating on our own, we ended up in some quite not impressive. That was not places. great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One yeah, is. while Laurent, he sort of. Uh, is it uh, the Bastille you live uh, nearby? Or uh, I, 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 I live in uh, between. Ah. No, Republic, Republic. I mean, cr closer Republic, to Republic sorry, than yeah, Bastille. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, Laurent is the guy to come for for some good food recommendations there, one has to admit. Uh, that was uh, was impressive and such. So, no, Paris uh, was a good uh, filming session, yeah. at least in terms of uh, having fun, if it was worth, I have. Yeah, no, it was I mean, nice. Was I, I enjoyed uh, yeah. welcoming you, yeah, yeah. both of you. I mean, it was mm -hmm. nice, even if uh, Peter complained about my, my booking yeah. skills. Uh, of course, the very first day, the very first, like the first 10 minutes he entered in the... The flat, it's the flat I booked. It was, it was very, small. very it was small, and uh, uh, I don't know what else. <laughs> My room got flooded by, by water, <laughs> but leaving such details aside, <laughs> it was a nice place. Um, but yeah, well, I noticed one thing that, uh, well, a filming feels a bit like a training camp, that it's sort of, I mean, light uh, uh, in many ways and social. I mean, well, I have tried Vichy training camps. They were also great and social, but incredibly tough. Uh, that I haven't really experienced so much in, in, in Team Maximus, if we go about, uh, if this is tales about uh, training camps. Do you say Team Maximus? Is that the new name? <laughs> no, I, I really tried to seem Team Magnus. Uh, and such. Check. Well, Gusti maybe hasn't uh, trained with other teams, but you are for the Dutch team and such. And uh, well, you have been in Team Kramnik, which I'm, I'm sure is a completely different thing. Right? Yeah, no, in Team Kramnik, yeah, it was not uh, really. Um, it's more fun in Team Magnus, yeah. I prefer. Uh, <laughs> it's an understatement. Yeah, right? no, of I course. Mean, yeah. No, because, yeah, some You guys make it sound like we're partying it up there in Palanga. No, it's but. Uh, four nerds sitting in a room for 14 hours a day clicking on chess moves on their laptops. Of course. It's not exactly like it's just <laughs> fun and games. Uh, I mean, like with Kamnik, I noticed very quickly that during the match, he likes five his seconds not, not sleeping during the night because he feels that. Uh, everything was done and uh, we did our maximum and so on. So when he wakes up, if you didn't sleep, he, he, he feels better, which uh, in the short run might help. But in the long run, I think it's a disaster because after uh, four or five games, you are already completely exhausted and uh, mm -hmm. you, want <laughs> you want basically all, all this to, to be over. While, uh, of course, with, uh, with Magnus, we have much more freedom, even, of course, if we are, are working in... Uh, in Palanga, in, uh, in in Thailand, in Thailand, we were working a lot in Thailand. Yeah, we'll we'll get to to tales from Thailand uh, on another episode of okay. this podcast. We're not mentally ready for it yet. Um, shall we get to the last thing on our list? A category that I'm not a big fan of because I'm too chicken. It's yeah. called Chicken of the Week. How does this work, Laurent? This sounds like something close to <laughs> Yeah, so Chicken of the Week, we just uh, nominate uh, one chicken, uh, one nomination each. Uh, so, yeah, and we explain maybe why. So there's some uh, uh, forever member of the Chicken Chess Club uh, from the, the world uh, best player. So we just name one, I guess, and uh, each of us. Peter, with your, your favorite chicken. Which, according to you, uh, in the top, uh, the chess world. Uh, you mean in general or the last week? Ideally connected to recent events. Yeah. No, but go wherever you want. It's your category. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's unreasonable. But well, this is the program of being unreasonable. So I would actually say Bashar Koyat Koyat, <laughs> if that's okay. She's not a player. I think I know it's okay, but Laura. Lo yeah, okay, um, who is that for our listeners, and what <laughs> have they done? <laughs> He's a he's a French grandmaster, right? And a former um, head of the French Chess Federation, and now he's the he's the actual vice uh, president of FIDE uh, mm -hmm. and such. But uh, I was invited to a debate uh, about the future of FIDE, and uh, Koyatli was very happy to be part of it. But uh, just on one condition that it wasn't against me, and that I thought was a bit uh, chicken. He was uh, he was offering to debate against my wife instead, but she politely uh, uh, declined. But that I thought was a bit chickenish. So well, I managed to make this one political as well. But you can try and talk about chess if you prefer. That's great, Laurent. Uh, I will nominate 
Anish because I, I will nominate Anish every week so <laughs> that would be it's going to be a fun category <laughs> ah. stable. okay he's playing right now uh, and uh, yeah I like to nominate him yeah just uh, fun um, can you motivate it just a bit yeah uh, I mean his games against uh, uh, Magnus uh, yesterday I mean especially his first game I mean every every decision is just uh, trying to keep it safe and uh, well always the same even in some rapid you know where I mean, it's not such an important tournament for uh, for guys. It's rapid event, so of course you care about the result, but uh, it doesn't matter so much. So it's time to experiment, I think, different things. And uh, while in the first match against uh, Eric Hansen, he was just playing his uh, usual repertoire, Spanish and so on. I think it's time, maybe not to the extent to, to go 1F3, but I think it would be a good time for him to... Uh, for him to... to to experiment just different things trying to play maybe a bit sharper uh, but he's always playing the same style so um, well, okay always caring so much about the, the final result uh, which I think is the wrong attitude alright um, yeah as a harsh. as a giant chess chicken myself also this podcast is called the Chicken Chess Club um, for a reason. I don't really feel comfortable for telling people it's wrong the way they play when it made their careers and made them world-class players. So I'll chicken out this week at the very least from nominating a chess player. Sorry that I have to take this back to being serious. <coughs> but yeah, the topic that's still on my mind nonstop, of course, is the war in Ukraine and the chickenness of the German government and Chancellor Scholz's statements are very, very tough to stomach. At the very least, the communication from the sideline, all these blank statements about, yeah, we shouldn't do anything alone. We need to find a united solution with whoever, while, yeah, UK, US and whoever else is contributing much more or at least contributing a lot more clearly while in Germany we're debating boohoo they didn't want uh, Steinmeier there or like we're losing ourselves in small random debates about the Ukrainian ambassador instead of doing everything we can is very very tough for me as a German or with my limited knowledge to witness so I'll I'll use that one but I promise I'll use a draw chess player next time around well, a bit of help is on the way there. My my wife is a Lithuanian politician, but she's invited to the Bundestag tomorrow to talk about this subject. And uh, ah, that's I cannot exciting. speak on her behalf, but um, any Lithuanian politician is very, I mean, firm and thorough on this. So I'm pretty sure the message would be that uh, Germany has a a lot of responsibility for in sort of being helpful for Ukraine in this conflict and it's time to step up and such so well I don't know if that will make a difference but at least the message will, will get there and such so well if I can we can be helpful there then that's good yeah the message is being brought plenty and yeah, yeah hopefully, I understand hopefully we will it will help all right sorry to end on this heavy note but unlike unless you guys have any pressing last things to say I believe that was episode two of the Chicken Chess Club great stuff guys see you next week <laughs> bye 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 so which button is it right yeah it's the stop button